ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೋ ಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಿಷಾವಹೈ ನೈಸ್ ಎವ್ರಿಬಡಿ ಇಸ್ ಹಿಯರ್ ವಂಡರ್ಫುಲ್ the crisis of leadership is at once universal but also deeply personal and even though there might be something objective about the whole thing that the people who are either nominated or elected to their posts are not doing a good job you know there might be some objective truth to that and it's also a subjective experience not just an objective experience as it is evidenced by the collective uh, disappointment the repeated disappointment in leadership whether you look at the leadership from the standpoint of the the political angle one is constantly disappointed one is protesting if one can protest if one is privileged enough to be from a country where you can protest without losing your life you know there are protests there are you know all the time a feeling that somebody has somebody in power somebody in authority somebody in uh, you know in charge has let me down has let us all down this is you know this disappointment is what is being interrogated in this retreat and also in the verse of the bhagavad gita you know and the and the disappointment the bhagavad gita says is natural it's natural it is swabhavika it is natural why for many reasons first is you know there is there is a certain transference on leadership and there is a lot of hope invested in the beginning and at first it's a positive transference anything the candidate does or anything the spiritual leader does is wonderful candidate means candidate in office i'm talking of ha huh? so anything the candidate does is wonderful anything the leader does is just glorious and then very soon what happens that leads to another kind of a transference the transference of first hope and then the transference of disappointment both go and attach itself to leaders the question is where are these feelings coming from they are coming deeply from within that particular psyche that is at once hopeful and disappointed this is the inner child more about that we we will talk so constantly the hope is flung and then it is you know the hope turns into hopelessness repeatedly and still we don't stop idolizing you know the uh, you know leadership and hoping to be saved hoping to be you know uh, hoping that this one will be better than the last and and then the next one will be better yet you know these kinds of um, situations and you know in this in this whole uh, what is that kala chakra the the way the time goes we are forgetting one particular thing that the feelings are the same that feeling of insecurity and hopelessness is replaced by some hope again invested in some other person in, a, in outside oneself 
repeatedly. And this is what Arjuna is being taught in the third chapter. In the third chapter, he is being taught that you are missing something which is right in front of you. You are missing something that is so obvious because it's always the obvious which is missed. The non-obvious, that, that the non-obvious is missed is not a point of, uh, you know, uh, doubt or contention. But the fact that the obvious is mi missed makes it more interesting. Because again, it is glossed over, it is taken for granted, it is missed. The obvious is not thought of at all. And here what is obvious? It is this, this whole cycle is very, very obvious. It's obvious that there is a discontent and that discontent I'm not taking care of. I'm projecting it onto another person. And it's obvious that, you know, I'm leaving one person out in this whole transference, hopelessness, security, hope of security, hope, hopelessness, and, you know, cycle. There is something that I'm missing. What is that? What is missed is always the person. It's the whole tenth man story. You know, ten people go out and only nine return because the one who is in charge of all of them counts them, forgets to count himself. This is this is the this is what is you know is the is the gaping mistake that one makes in in projecting on one's hopes for some kind of a security outside of oneself. And Arjuna is told that. Arjuna is told that he matters. This is what Bhagavan Krishna, you know, does. He, he brings out the obvious that is missed, which is Arjuna himself. The questioner is, is the one that needs to reckon with oneself. And the questioner is asking all kinds of questions. Why I have to fight this war? Why did the leaders let me down? Why did my teachers let me down? Why did my elders let me down? Why did the, my role models abandon me? Why are they not following the right path? And why should I kill them? Why should I fight with them? He's obsessed with questions that have nothing to do with himself. Without reckoning the fact that the subject matters. Subject matters. And in fact, in the vision of Vedanta, which is given in the second chapter, the subject alone matters. That's what it is. Subject means don't look where. You. You are the subject. And you, you alone are. You are the only significant thing in the universe. It doesn't take long to communicate that. No, but I'm, I'm very insignificant. I'm very insignificant. Why are you insignificant? Why do you say that? Because all these things, I'm not able to get the job I want, I'm not able to get the life I want, and therefore I'm insignificant, I'm subject to the vagaries of all kinds of slings and arrows of fortune, outrageous and otherwise. Therefore I'm insignificant. This is a reversal. You know, this is the view of the jiva, the, the individual, that is reversed by this vision. And the vision is there to, to, to make one see that you alone matter. So even in this litany of complaints of how your life is not going as it should, who is the one cognizing this discontent? Is the question number one. Question number two, is the cognizer of discontent also discontented? Is it possible? This is a very interesting question. Is it possible to cognize discontent while being afflicted by discontentment? Is it possible? You know, it's a very interesting question. And the answer here, logically speaking, would have to be no. Why? Because we can help ourselves with uh, examples from, from uh, uh, you know, other, 
other branches of knowledge like physics for example which states that in order to observe motion movement you know the observing of movement presupposes a non movement or stillness on the part of the observer because if the observer is also moving and that which is observed is also moving there is no perception of motion so move in order to perceive movement you have to be still only from the point of stillness if you are standing in one place then you can see that the train is leaving the station or the airport the the airplane is leaving the air, uh, the the, uh, the uh, you know that bay where the plane is parked the airplane is leaving the parking spot and and reversing backing out into the runway you can see that because you are not moving whereas if you were in a in a plane right next to this plane and both of them were backing out at the same time you would not be able to sense the motion you would not be able to observe it so whatever you observe you are the opposite of that <laughs> this is this is this is true so therefore the observer of discontent of any kind the observer of insecurity the observer of pain the observer of sorrow the observer of something is not right is all right huh? all right because you cannot observe something if you are afflicted by that thing so the moment you say i am angry i am sad i am burdened i feel restless all those feelings which are observed you are not afflicted by the feelings one is not afflicted by the feelings and so therefore what so therefore at best i mean forget limitlessness and all these things at best at the you know at this stage we can say that the observer is a neutral observer neutral unafflicted by this whatever one observes just like you imagine standing you know inside the airport and you know behind the glass and watching the plane back off back out into the runway you are neutral you are just says, seeing a fact that's all it is you are observing a fact and that fact has to do with the you know has to do with uh, so many things there so many uh, forces that have come into being for this plane to back out and you are saying this is the speed this is the uh, you know this is the angle from where it is backing out you are just observing so similarly the same thing you know one this is this is so obvious this is very obvious the same thing applies the same rules of engagement apply to what internal observation called in sanskrit as sakshi pratyaksha so one is a sakshi sakshin witness one is a sakshi outside of everything that moves everything that goes everything that comes and similarly one is a sakshi inside of everything that comes and goes in the form of a tsunami of feelings <laughs> the flood gates of sorrow the swamp of discontent one is observing and the observer is unafflicted and unaffected the observer simply is and this is that's why you are the most significant you know thing in the universe that this is how i began the talk why are you the most significant thing because this observer doesn't ever become the source of being observed by another despite uh, what is that nsa and all these things <laughs> you know despite the state being uh, uh, you know routine, routinely observing its uh, subjects literally speaking really speaking this subject that is you you know are not does you don't need to be observed by any other entity and you are not observed
by any other entity at any other time because you alone are the source, the only source of that consciousness which, which never is a product, which never had a beginning, which never comes to an end. Uh, you know, unto which everything becomes an object of observation, which itself is never an object, never objectified, never goes into oblivion. Na udeti, na astameti. It does not rise, it does not go into oblivion. It simply is, and it is conscious of itself, that's why we say self-evident, self-reflexive, self-effulgent. It is conscious of itself. What do you mean it is conscious of itself? Just answer a simple question, are you here? If you say yes, that means you are conscious of yourself, simple. You don't need somebody else to say that you exist. And neither can you go and get an existence certificate. You don't need an existence certificate because your existence cannot be and need not be corroborated by any other entity, including the state. Yeah. You don't need a certificate of existence because your existence is not in doubt for yourself. And that's what really matters. I am. I know I am. And that itself is proof. You don't need any other proof. Proof is required why? Proof is required when something has to be brought into a state of objectification. Brought into purview and say that, okay, I am the one observing this one's existence. I grant you the right to live and I grant you this existence and here is your certificate. I am the one, you know, saying that you exist. Whether it's a rock on the wayside, which is documented by the geological surveys and societies, or whether it is, you know, some kind of a rare animal which is tabulated, categorized and, you know, said, okay, there is only this many of these, uh, you know, in the universe and we have to protect them. So we, we are corroborating the, their existence. But the only thing that does not need to be corroborated is your own existence. That is what is so special. That is what is so wonderful. And, and on this fact that you are self-existent, self-effulgent, self-evident, the whole Vedanta Shastra rests Supposing if the jiva was not self-existent, then there is no nothing you can say about this I, this self. There is nothing at all you can say. And so, therefore, this is this this matters a lot. So that's why I keep saying you are the most significant being, and there is no one like you. There is nothing like you. Nothing like you because everything else depends on you to be cognized and you are self-cognizant. This is something which is so important, very, very important. And, you know, and then the, the next thing that, uh, that comes into the picture is that the self, therefore, you cannot say is completely unknown. Because you know you are, correct? You know you exist. That's a lot of that's a lot of knowledge right there. You know you are, you know you exist, and you know, so you cannot say, I don't know the self. At the same time you cannot say, I know the self. Right? Because whatever you know about the self seems to be at best partial knowledge and at worst wrong knowledge yeah because the 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 knowledge of what you are is incomplete because you can just you know because there is something coming in the way and what is that thing coming in the way you know maya <laughs> avidya avidya means you know a certain kind of a self ignorance ignorance of oneself Again, it's a very funny term, self-ignorance, because one is not totally ignorant of the self. 
you know you exist but don't ask the next question who are you <laughs> you know that is that is going into the you know what is that realm of ramana maharshi in other words vedanta that's what it is who are you don't ask what am i don't ask but i know i am the next question is you know who are you elicits a sob story a series of sob stories how are you doing who are you and immediately what is the answer how much time do you have <laughs> because if i tell you all the things that are happening to me and if i tell you who i am or who i think i am we'll need a lot of time 5 minutes is not enough so that you know therein lies a very interesting thing because here is this you know sadatma sadatma means that existent self which is cognizant of everything that exists which does not need to be cognized and this sadatma is chidatma why is it chidatma because it is all knowing it knows of everything else it knows of itself yeah it knows of the existence of other things other than it it knows anatma and it knows atma exists so therefore that knowing being is called chit and then what and then this satchit satchit is now 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 it is it is there it is an uncreated sat it's an uncreated chit and that's what makes it ananda ananda here really means limitless ananta but this ananta is is uh, changed to ananda because why because of the fact that 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 is what one wants in keeping with one's purushartha pursuit the pursuit of happiness that is really what matters you know what's the point of having money what's the point of having health what's the point of having lots of uh, you know family members around you if all of them are dysfunctional and if uh, there is no health to enjoy the wealth and the people around you and then health is there but money is not there money is there but then one is always afraid that it will be taken away you know so like this really speaking what matters ultimately is that pursuit of happiness which is really moksha pursuit of happiness in sanskrit is called moksha because that happiness is is hindered or inhibited by so many factors starting with one's own self ignorance and the self ignorance is what how does it inhibit happiness because it it uh, does not let me see that i have already gained what i wish for what i want is already an established fact sat is an established fact i exist i don't have to be cognized chit is an established fact because i am cognizant of myself and similarly the last one ananta ananda is an established fact because i don't come to an end yeah i don't come to an end and i'm already free already unafflicted see before we had established the existence of a neutral observer the upanishad and the bhagavad gita go a step further and say the observer is not just neutral the observer is of the nature of ananda it is in fact the, exactly what the observer wants to be the observer already is so therefore this this atma does not perish imperishable atma achhedyo hamadahyo hyam akledyo ashoshya evaja nityam sarvagatam sthanuh achaloyam sanatanah so can the five elements cannot touch the atma you cannot burn it you cannot stab it you cannot you know you cannot drown it you cannot dry it out dehydrate it you know you cannot do anything to this atma why because it is nitya it is it is of the nature of forever 
and really speaking when we unpack the pursuit of happiness the pursuit of happiness undergoes a change and the, the happiness doesn't undergo a change the pursuit becomes a little more sophisticated because what i want is forever you don't really want the happiness because how long you want to be happy you'll say forever so that that pursuit of forever is 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 called nitya which you already are nityam sarvagatam sarvagatam means all pervasive everything that you look at everything that you see is is just an extension of you why because you are the one cognizing its existence it resolves all anatma all objects resolve into the subject the subject does not resolve at all and so therefore this this whole thing is very beautiful this atma never comes to an end not only does the self not come to an end we find out that it is of the nature of the very happiness and the very eternity and the infinity that one is wanting to make one's own that one is in a search of so it is searching for something that is already you know siddha it is searching for a vastu that is siddha it is already an established it's searching for something that's already gained and the gain of that which is already gained is called what you know how do you gain something that's already gained this is very interesting like the glasses on top of your head supposing somebody had glasses on top of the head if the glasses are already gained it's a gain of something that's already gained and then you look where where did i put it it's not by the bedside table okay it's not in the living room it's not in the puja room it's not anywhere where did i put the glasses until somebody points out they are right there you are the possessor of the glasses and so how did the possession take place how did you gain the glasses ultimately the gain is just a uh, upachara it's an as though gain because the gain was already there and if the, if it is already uh, you know there if the gain is already gain then you know then what is the point then why do i need this why do i need this because if if it's already gained why do i need the pursuit because i can't drop it and ultimately why why do i need the pursuit because i don't know that i have gained it ha huh? this is what is called that you know inhibition that that knowledge of the atma as sachidananda is as though covered eclipsed by what by wrong understanding wrong tadatmya identification wrong identification this is what the whole thing is the identification with a body starting with a body wrong identification i am this much tall i am this much whatever identification with a mind another big wrong identification identification with you know so many things one's possession wrong identification why because the identification with everything that is finite is not going to lead me to the infinite ha huh? because what i want is that forever but what i am identifying as myself is based on everything that is finite starting with the body so yes one has to take care of the body but if you start thinking that the body is forever then one is constantly disappointed ha huh? mind is forever all you have to say is what never mind ah that's what you have to say because the mind is not forever as soon as one is born brain cells start to die off in drones yeah cognitive decline has begun at birth ah so what to talk of when one is you know 80 years old if one survives that long so that time you will be wondering you know and uh, this is you know this is what the whole thing is so the identification with the intellect with the mind with the chittam with the emotions 
and finally with the ahankara the i notion that pervades all this body mind complex it's fraught with danger it's fraught with danger because it is not you know it is not understood completely whole thing is not understood completely and and it's fraught with danger because in this it is a certain kind of a superimposition it's a it's it, it's called a a, a gyana dhyasa you know there are two kinds of superimpositions one is called artha dhyasa and the other one is called gyana dhyasa artha dhyasa the superimposition uh, means that there is a you know there uh, a, a, both are certain you know misperceptions and in artha dhyasa when you have the correct perception then the mis uh, misperception goes away or that which you have perceived you know resolves goes away but then in gnana dhyasa the perception doesn't change so whatever you see doesn't change you know it still continues like sunset you know the sun is neither setting nor is uh, you know rising but when you look at the sunset even though you know that it's not the sun that is setting that earth is going around and then the particles in the atmosphere are catching the rays of the sun and that's why everything looks orange and purple and there's a gorgeous you know feast for the eyes that you know even though you know that you know the, the, as soon as you know that it does not stop the sunset does not stop giving a beautiful cosmic show it doesn't stop so that is what is called gnana dhyasa and with relation to oneself that same gnana dhyasa persists because the self is not totally unknown and the self is not totally known either if it is completely unknown you cannot have adhyasa you cannot have supervision uh, sorry superimposition on something that is unknown an unknown snake you cannot have a rope you know in a, sorry you cannot have a uh, what is that called you cannot have a snake an unknown snake projected on the rope correct yeah you cannot have that so both must be somewhat known rope is known snake is known <laughs> a known snake alone can be superimposed correct and so really speaking similarly the you know the atma is somewhat known i exist is known the rope is known the rope here is atma that's why it becomes a subject for aropa that's why it's called that's why we bring in the rope and so atma is kind of known like the rope is kind of known why is the rope kind of known because for want of light it is twilight or it's a rainy day and there's not enough light and then you see this rope conveniently with three bends undulating and sitting there on the grass so it becomes a sitting duck for all kinds of projections snake immediately you say so similarly the atma the nature of the atma is not lighted you know by the shastra is not yet lit up by the shastra you need the flashlight of the shastra to be able to cognize the atma for what it is because otherwise you will take it for what it is not i am this much tall i am this much insecure i am an idiot i am abandoned i am disappointed no 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 now i am hopeful no 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 now i am hopeless now i am you know an idiot now i am feeling a little bit better now again i am in the doldrums this is what is happening so something that is completely unknown does not become the locus or the adhisthana of projections aropa only that which is known you know and uh, uh, also when something is totally known you cannot make a mistake upon it projection means mistake a known rope is not the object of the mistake 
an unknown rope on an unknown or a non-existent rope you cannot project the snake so the rope has to be somewhere in the middle <laughs> and this middle is the most exciting and the most challenging thing in vedanta middle here is mithya mithya is the name for this this middle this in between is the problem in between it is gloriously in between that which is completely known and that which is totally unknown in other words it is somewhat known but are we talking of the rope or are we talking of the atma doesn't matter you know the rope stands for atma in this example so the atma is kind of known that i am yes and somehow even though i'm you know i feel constantly sad and constantly insecure i still want to be happy that desire for happiness doesn't go and somehow i manage to eke out moments of happiness even though you know my desires are not fulfilled and i still have a litany of complaints i manage to eke out some kind of satisfaction over here so that means what is this you know what is this atma am i permanently sad or am i permanently happy what is it that you want to be i want to be permanently happy how do you know why is it that you nobody says i want to be permanently sad very interesting i want to be permanently happy is what is cognized is what is understood so it is somewhat known how to get there is not known what to do is not known and how to drop this ignorance not known and this atma is sachidananda there is no cause for sorrow unknown atma exists known some vague notion of happiness known this is what is correct somewhat known so both the somewhat known rope and the somewhat known atma you know become the objects of transference or the objects of mistake placed on them they are both in their respective examples they are the adhishthana or for lack of a better translation or the locus upon which the mistake is made huh? both of them in in their own way the rope because it is not lit up because it is outside and it happens to be somewhat dark and and it's not totally dark it's not totally unknown and uh, its existence is somewhat known and that somewhat knowing this is a distorted understanding of its existence so that somewhat known rope becomes a ripe becomes ripe for the projection of the snake to come upon it and why snake because it is scary it's an object it's a fearful object yeah so so too the atma becomes a sitting duck or an adhishthana a locus for projections because the atma the rope lacks you know the rope is does not have the light that that illumines it for what it is the atma also doesn't have yet you know the person who is having this uh, uh delusion or this uh, you know transference upon the atma the gnana dhyasa does not have is not exposed to the light of the shastra that makes all these shadows go away and illumine the atma the i for what it is so to illumine the i for what it is the what it is not has to be negated this is what the shastra does similarly you know just as when you negate the you know you have to negate the snake which is as though seen on the rope in order to cognize the rope so too you have to negate anatma which has found its way to being identified as the atma and that is what is a very you know that is what is knowledge no knowledge is drilled it's the ignorance that is dropped in the wake of these negations you know just like in the bhagavad gita achhedyo the the particle a is a negative particle you know achhedyo ham 
this cannot be cut up adahyoham it cannot be burnt unburnt uncut up akledyah it cannot be you know drowned ashoshyah it cannot be dehydrated and then so when that negation is done a uh, 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 negative particle negative particle that which cannot come to an end that which cannot be dehydrated cannot be killed cannot be done this cannot 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 then the next line reveals itself what it is because when that is removed when the when the negation happens then it it affirms itself nothing else needs to be done nobody needs to affirm the atma this is what i mean by self evident it affirms itself and it reveals itself as it is because you know earlier i was unable to see it i was unable to understand it and i was unable to connect to it because something was in the way namely ignorance uh, which led to misperceptions ignorance of the rope led to its misperception as a snake as a scary object ignorance of the eye led has led to a rampant mistake being committed upon the self as finite as full of sorrow as needing to do something in order to remove this sorrow and this kind all these things you know this is what is the issue here so that which is in between is called in sanskrit anirvachaniya anirvachaniya means it cannot be affirmed it cannot be negated <laughs> you cannot say that you know the i doesn't you know this ignorance is 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 the thing which is in between you know does the ignorance exist well yes it does because i am affected by it so it must exist so now if the ignorance exists if the ignorance is existent then where is the place for knowledge oh let us be broad minded let the ignorance and the knowledge rest side by side you know having a little tete tete a little cup of espresso both of them very nice and let them have a conversation why can't we all get along <laughs> it's very silly to think like this very you know it's a foolish thought to say that let ignorance and knowledge you know sit side by side is like saying let light and darkness sit side by side and have a cup of tea is that possible no wherever there is light there is no possibility of darkness in fact think about it there is no such thing called darkness it's the opposite of light that's all it's an oppositional and a temporary uh, you know misperception this darkness there is no such thing called darkness and you cannot even say it's the lack of light lack of light means what happens to the rope when it becomes when it becomes a snake that is lack of light there is not sufficient light we are not talking of sufficient light here we are talking of the contrast between light and darkness so whenever there is light you cannot have darkness you cannot have them both at the same time and you cannot they both cannot enjoy the word sat meaning existent huh so you cannot say that darkness is also sat light is also sat how is that possible no 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 darkness is existent sat because it exists wherever there is no light ah that means what <laughs> its existence is dependent upon the its presence is dependent upon the absence of something else so that's not an existent that's not existence existence means it should be self existent just like you you know just like we talked about the self is so it should not lean on something else in order to be existent so the darkness leans on the fact of the light not being there for short periods of time you know and then it says you know i rule darkness rules what kind of a rule is it it's a rule that is 
frequently overthrown. That kind of a rule. First one is on the throne and then one is overthrown. This this kind of a this is this is the fate of darkness. So too that you know this should give us you know heart because so too is the fate of ignorance because it is overthrown. First it enshrines itself and sits on the throne, then it is overthrown by this knowledge, this revealed knowledge that comes to us through the light of the Shastra. And the Shastra, the teaching is needed because this is not a pursuit that is based on karma, action. Because action cannot take you there. Just like the possessor of glasses doesn't have to do sit-ups or push-ups in order to get, gain the glasses. Ah. So the push-ups are not going to help unless they dislocate the glass from the forehead. But uh, e even then you still, it's a cognitive pursuit. So the pursuit of the glasses is a cognitive pursuit. Which glasses? The glasses that are already gained sitting on the head. Whose location? I am unaware of. It's a, it's a matter of a cognitive shift. So it's a cognitive pursuit because no amount of sit-ups, push-ups or you know anything is going to yield the glasses. It's an unknown pair of glasses now transformed into a known pair of glasses. Similarly, it's the nature of I that is unknown which is transformed into a completely known Atma, not just a half-known Atma. Completely known Atma. And this is, this is what the whole thing is. So, going back to the example of light and darkness, and what they stand for, ignorance and knowledge cannot sit side by side. <coughs> Wherever there is ig uh, knowledge, ignorance is spirited away. Uh, whether it is self-ignorance or ignorance of objects. Gone. In the wake of knowledge, that which goes is not having the same existence as the knowledge. as that which removes it. So the agent that removes ignorance is knowledge. So that is what is we say enjoys existence. This this knowledge does not, you know, therefore is not self. Sorry, the ignorance therefore is does not enjoy the same kind of sat or existence that you know the atma does. The atma, which is all knowledge, is existent. Ignorance is also existent. But when the light of Shastra describing the nature of Atma as Nityaha, Sarvagataha, all-pervasive, Sthanuhu, meaning it is unmoving, unchanging, Achalaha, unmoving, Sanatanaha, that which is always existent, when that is revealed, after removing all the wrong perceptions, when that is revealed, after a process of negation, then, you know, this Atma is, you know, this, this, this Atma is understood completely. And that is what is called Moksha, freedom from whining. That is what it is. <laughs> That's when one stops whining because there is nothing to whine about. There is nothing to whine about. And so going back to this ignorance, so what kind of existence does ignorance enjoy? And why are we discussing ignorance so much? Because that is what leads to discontentment. Upon this ignorance rests my discontentment because that wrong perception comes because I don't know the Atma. Upon this ignorance rests all the gamut of misperceptions and in order to remove the misperceptions I have desires starting with the desire to remove the misperception itself but that desire to remove the misperception itself is uncognized and because it is unrecognized I go about having a gamut of desires because I feel you know at odds with this ignorance. I cannot brook ignorance. 
much less its miss uh, you know much less all the misidentifications i cannot stand myself as finite i cannot stand myself as you know coming to an end and so what do i do i have a whole lot of desires so resting upon the ignorance is the misperception and resting upon that misperception is a whole lot of desires and when desires come into the picture they are not going to let you keep you know still you have to do something in order to fulfill them you have to do something to get rid of this pain of uh, of and sorrow and you have to do something and then it brings in the misperception resting on the misperception is the whole world of actions resting on those actions you know come from those actions come from what they ensue forth from the identification with those actions as the agent of those actions namely actor so you see what we we have we have covered a lot here we've covered first the self ignorance which is in the form of misperceptions and those misperceptions you know are the key to this this you know completely getting derailed and going on some tangent so because those misperceptions are there you know the discontent is there the pain is there the sorrow is there it's all cognized and i want to somehow remove it by by taking recourse repeatedly to the finite because everything that i can objectify everything that i can pursue is finite you know and so i take refuge in the finite and then what happens and then because of that because it things are always coming to an end and the desire to be ananta non ending is is there and so i keep making wrong conclusions wrong understanding and so the ignorance pursues you know persists in the form of misperception the misperception gives birth to all kinds of desires and desire gives birth to action and action you know comes along with the notion that one you know is an actor this is what the whole thing is and this this uh, spewing off of ignorance into all these manifestations you know give it a lot of power my god it is so powerful it must be existent no it's an existence just like the fog temporarily covering the orb of the sun and and this you know and the fog dissipates in the light of the sun the fog dissipates the clouds part and all there is is self effulgent atma that is not looking for leadership that's not looking to to do anything that's not uh, ero discontent that's not insecure that that is that is the vision you know that is the vision and in fact the upanishad and the bhagavad gita they go a step further and they say that it's not just that you know you are the whole it is you are the cause of the universe it brings back the universe why does it bring back the universe because it has to be confronted every day it is there even though i may say that i am the only thing that is there i am the only significant you know person but you as soon as you say i am the only significant person there is a significant other waiting at home <laughs> or waiting somewhere so as long as there is significant other you are not the only significant one because the other is there ha huh? and dealing with the other is the problem of life is the is the is the source of discontent and sometimes people say i wish i could go somewhere in the boonies somewhere you know go sit in the forest not have to deal with any other person but the other goes where you know along with you a shadow of the other goes along with you wherever you are because you have to confront nature you have to confront birds you have to confront you know all kinds of things that will be there 
maybe not people but there is other in the form of all moving and unmoving animate and inanimate life you know animate life and inanimate forms are there to to be reckoned with so what is the nature of this other anatma we have to see you know what is the nature of this thing you know just like the snake cannot be dismissed which snake rope snake rope snake cannot be dismissed because i have seen it it is there but then as soon as the light is shined on the rope you shine the light on the rope the snake where did it go did it slither away no it didn't slither away because it was right in the middle of being an existent snake no it wasn't an existent snake then was it a non existent snake you cannot say that also because i saw it i saw it on the rope so it was a mistaken snake it was not an existent snake nor a non existent snake it was a mistaken snake and and therefore it is not sat it is not completely self existent like the atma and it is not because it needs me to cognize and say oh no snake correct and it is not a completely non existent snake otherwise i wouldn't be afraid to go out and so therefore what it is not sat it is not asat therefore it is anirvachaniya and anirvachaniya is a long word and you have to understand how to pronounce it forget it you know we'll give a two syllable word which is very easy to pronounce mithya mithya means what that which neither exists <laughs> you cannot say categorically that it exists and you cannot say that it does not exist it's like in quantum physics is it a wave no maybe no 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 it must be a particle you cannot say categorically so that is what is you know is the is the bread and butter of uh, vedanta dealing with this mithya i'm going to write it down in case people are wondering about the spelling or something like that just in case everybody knows but just in case so the you know this the 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 place of this mithya is very important because it is taken because it cannot be dismissed it is taken to be real because it cannot be affirmed it is taken to be unreal whereas in reality it's neither real nor unreal and it describes the state of affairs of every single thing that is a cause of consternation and sorrow this is what the whole thing is that's why we spend time on on delineating or understanding this mithya because without this mithya we cannot really go forward without understanding this mithya because one is surrounded by mithya where is mithya where is mithya? don't look there look at your own body mithya oh my body is mithya yes but why my body is mithya my your body is mithya because it is not self existent how do you know it is not self existent because you uh, if the body cannot cognize itself the body never comes to you and says give me two more donuts no <laughs> you the observer say all right you can afford two more donuts go and eat huh the body doesn't have a complex around centered on itself the body doesn't say i i will not go out because i don't like how i look no so the body is not self existent self evident self effulgent so therefore you cannot say it categorically exists all right dismiss it if it doesn't exist say what body where body you know one one uh, god man said that what body where body i am not troubled by the body in fact i don't even go to the bathroom said this leader and then what and then they uh, you know whoever came to see the this uh, guru found that there is not a single bathroom in his quarters in the ashram not a single bathroom anywhere and then what then he passed away and then they you know 
there were a lot of scandals and so the property was auctioned off and everything and then they found that you know underneath his bed was a trunk and they moved the trunk and then underneath that trunk was what a trap door and you opened the trap door underneath the trap door is a flight of stairs to go to the bathroom ah. why all this <laughs> you know and so you can't dismiss the body because why you have to go to the bathroom simple you have to eat you have to sleep and if there is even the slightest ache and pain you know the body is 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 reminding you that it exists you cannot dismiss it little ear ache enough little toothache those are the the worst little toothache something is not right with one tooth somewhere finished you know sends you to bed so how can you say the body is non existent and similarly it is completely wrong to say that the body is existent and so this in between we have to deal with <laughs> in fact it's an in between that causes a lot of problems if it is not recognized as in between and so this in between is what is you know is what is important because it has to be seen for what it is it has to be seen in the light of what is in order to you know in order to kind of negate it negate it enough to be able to enjoy it ha mithya is to be enjoyed because mithya doesn't exist by itself and if it doesn't exist by itself then what is it dependent on you know this is in fact the question that is asked repeatedly in the brihadaranyaka upanishad you know yagyamalkya the sage is being tested in a king's court to see whether he can be the asthana vidwan whether he can be invited to the court as a as a permanent uh, you know sage as a permanently knowledgeable member as as a you know as a sitting uh, uh, what is that uh, what is vidwan uh, a scholar in the court in the king's court and so other scholars are examining him on what does the mind rest he says on the prana on the on the on the five pranas because without prana without the life force the mind doesn't have any existence on what does the prana rest <laughs> prana rests on the five elements on what do the five elements rest and you have to come back to atma everything has to come back to atma so on what does mithya rest on that sadatma alone on that chidatma alone on that ananda atma alone the whole mithya rests yeah mithya is not existent by itself mithya is not dismissible so it's not non existent so if it is existent upon what does it lean it leans on you it leans on you the conscious being that cognizes and falsifies mithya that is the one that is sat it leans on sat so we can easily come up with a maxim here yatra yatra sat what the, then tatra tatra mithya yatra yatra sat wherever there is sorry the other way around wherever there is mithya yatra yatra mithya tatra tatra sat so mithya just advertises the existence of sat because it cannot come without sat you know sat is there and then you know because sat is there mithya can afford to be there if there is no sat no mithya so that is our saving grace that is why we can go forward and have another class <laughs> tomorrow because this is what is the bread and butter of vedanta is that you know everything leans on that which is self existent and the only thing that is self existent is you so this whole thing called mithya leans on you oh my god that is huge how do i take that in what is this mithya the whole universe starting with your body the whole jagat starting with your body mind sense complex and 
ending in in the heavens if there is a heaven ending in you know the ruler of heaven indra if there is such a being and ending you know starting with his body and ending as far away as possible ending with a dinosaurs you can take anything and uh, you know you can say that the whole universe rests on this eye what kind of an eye <laughs> the eye that is looking for a source of inspiration <laughs> the eye that is constantly thwarted in its efforts the eye that is somewhat you know excited about this this vision but at the same time knows that you know it has to pay its bills the eye that is feels like it is out run out of luck the eye that is always feeling sick the eye that is constant and chronic you know has chronic uh, what is it called uh, discontentment chronic that suffering from chronic insecurity on this eye the whole universe rests really how because all those chronic things that we just described are part of the picture of this mithya that is what the beauty is but 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 i still you know i don't call all the shots in fact i don't call any of the shots how can you say that i am the the only significant being how can you say that there there is something that is that is coming in the way of of me asserting my moksha asserting my freedom because this freedom is just a you know just a pipe dream because you know the moment i say i am free what happened i just you know pulled a muscle somewhere <laughs> and so obviously there is something more to this yeah there is something more to this and that will lead us to into the next class so we haven't forgotten the verse but some of this background needs to be there to understand the whole thing okay yeah. om purnamadav purnamidam purnat purnamudachyate purnasya purnamadaya purnamevavashishyate om shanti shanti shantihi हरि ओम श्री गुरुभ्यो नमः हरि ओम